Man, what a state our country is in. Did you know that the U.S. marriage rate right now is at an all-time low? We have more single adults than we've ever had in the history with about a quarter of all minor children that live with just one parent. Most singles are, are, are partnered with somebody and most of them would like to marry. Some singles are still looking for a partner and some people are just content not looking and staying single. In fact, there are now more single adults than married adults in the U.S. Because saying I do is something that's being put off later and later by most young adults not getting married. The typical household in America has changed dramatically over the last few decades. 70 years ago, 8 out of 10 of all households were marriage couples. Today, it's just over half. With more people having never been married or never been divorced. So what does, what does scripture have to say about this, right? What does scripture have to say about them? What is God's will for those who, who are not married? So I'm going to give you a, a brief overview about what scripture says. But what it all comes down to is our big idea. Find your fulfillment in Christ, not a spouse. Finding your identity in Christ and not another person, that, that, that's hard to do when you're single. It's hard to do when you're out there looking for somebody, right? But no one can meet every one of your needs like God can. No person can be everything that you need them to be. It can be a huge blessing to have a loving spouse, and there's nothing wrong with desiring one person to share your life with. But even the best spouse is still a sinner who's going to disappoint you, who's going to let you down from time to time to time. I mean, not everybody can be as lucky as Chris is, right? <laughs> I heard somebody say once that if you put two sinners in the same household you're going to have unreconcilable differences. How true is that, right? No person can make you happy. Don't put your life on hold. Don't, don't stop. And, and look for somebody. Don't wait to start living again. And don't think that being married is going to make you whole. Don't think it's going to make you complete. Live for Christ where you are. So let's see if you fall into one of these questions. What if I'm single? Sometimes we hear Christians talk about how it feels like being a second-class citizen in church because we have a tendency to make everything about families, right? Everything's family-oriented, but that shouldn't be the case. Do you know why? Because our leader was single. Jesus chose to be single because he had this unique mission to fulfill. And you don't have to stay single to be like Jesus, but it is good to stay single. And that doesn't mean that it's better or even more, or more spiritual to be single. They're both good. But not only was Jesus single, so was the Apostle Paul. And he said, now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Some people choose singleness because of their dedication to God. And what are the benefits of being single, right? Paul goes on to say that marriage brings extra problems. And there's pros and cons with every situation. And if you're single, you might think it's be better if you're married. And if you're married, you might be thinking it's better if you're single. And let's be honest, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, right? But we need to learn to be content wherever we're at, whatever situation we're in, and to know that God is in control and to see the good in it. I mean, when you're married, you've got extra concerns and extra responsibilities. Plus, without a spouse to divide your attention, you can't 100% focus on your relationship with God. You want an example on this? What do you want for dinner, honey? I don't care. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. I decided yesterday. Oh, all right, give me three options. Okay, I don't like any of those three. You ever had that, ever had that discussion? A few of you? Yeah. When you're single, you just eat whatever you want. <laughs> Done. I am, saying that I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So let's lift up the beauty and the value of being single. 
But if you're going to be single, then what's the sexual standard? While single, stay celibate. Staying single means no sex. Staying celibate. Society no longer believes that. I get that. But God's standard hasn't changed. God never changes. If you want an intimate relationship with that, then you better find a spouse. Paul said to the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Then he goes on. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. See, self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. But it's harder than ever in today's society that's filled with sexual temptations everywhere, right? Our culture has collapsed into sexual chaos with easily accessible pornography. Kids seeing porn as early as three years old. People willingly available for one-night stands and casual sex and hookups making it easy. People living together. Even many couples who claim to be Christians are rejecting what God says so that they can live together. And you know what excuse they use? We're going to get married anyway. Yet that is not what God says and that's not what God allows. He made us for married monogamy. Paul said, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is a hefty list. And that didn't point out just one person. That didn't point out just one thing. There's a list of things there. And that means you cannot purposely, defiantly continue living in sin. We're not talking about messing up and falling into sin. And then having a repentant heart and turning back to God. This is about people that are claiming to be Christians, that are continuing to rebel against God and doing whatever they want to do anyway. And though you may have fallen into sexual sin, in Christ you can find both forgiveness and strength to stop and to change. Help and hope is available if you're struggling with sexual temptation. Paul reminds them that the change in God made in them. See, I was in that category. God completely changed who I was, but I had to repent, and I had to be all in for him, and I had to do everything his way. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. It means to be set apart, to be made holy. You were justified, being declared right with God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So what should you do? You flee from sexual immorality. Do you know what the word flee means? It means to run. You run from it. See, a Christian understands that God created sex for marriage, a bond between a husband and a wife. It's exclusive, and it's one that's meant to last for our lives. All else is sexual immorality. It's that simple. Outside of the marriage between a man and a woman, before, during, after marriage, none of it. No sex outside of marriage. It's real simple. And God's word is consistent here. It's consistently clear on just that. So if you're a single Christian and you're having sex, man, you better stop, drop to your knees and repent and run from sin. If you're living together, lead by example and move out. By the way, numerous studies back up exactly what God's word says. Living together before his marriage is not preparation for marriage, but rather a good preparation for divorce. Couples who live together are more likely to divorce than couples that don't. Realistically, most who are single, don't intend to stay single, do they? They desire to find that right person and to have a family. Number two, what if I want to get married? That's good. Neither being single nor me being married is more spiritual. Jesus was single, but he was single for a purpose. The apostles were married, all except for Paul. Realistically, most who are single don't intend to stay single. 
They desire to find that right person. They desire to have a family with them. And if you choose that, then follow God's word and choose a Christian. You're entering into a covenant with God. This isn't simply a contract, it's a covenant. And if you don't do, know the difference of that, I'm going to tell you exactly what my mama used to say. Look it up. The two are becoming one literally for life. And godly families begin with a godly marriage. So do not be unequally yoked with believers. Yoking is when two farm animals are, are bonded together for plowing. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? To choose to have a spiritually unequal home is to have a divided home. You're already starting out in a hole. Marriage is hard enough. A house divided can't stand. You're going to have two different masters, two different purposes, different destinations, and at death you will part eternally. How hard is that going to be for you? How hard will that be for your children to understand? Notice Paul also says that if you're a Christian widow who remarries, make sure it's with a fellow believer. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Some Christians let their desires overrule their devotion to Christ and choose to marry a non-believer anyway. And if you do that, you are choosing your will over God's will, and you're saying, I love me more than I love God. Not only is that disobedient, but typically people find out down the road it's not wise. You know, a lot of times the unbelieving fiancé thinks that they can convert their spouse once they get married, right? It's called a missionary marriage, and it rarely works. More often than not, it works the other way around. The believing spouse grows weak in their Christian commitment which is exactly why God forbids it. You've let your love for another person and your love for yourself take priority of your first love for Jesus. This should also define how you choose a mate to be with. For a Christian, dating isn't just recreational romance. It should be more purposeful. It's wise to only date somebody who could potentially be a spouse. Otherwise, what's the real reason for dating? And I'm not talking about a first date where you just go and get to know each other. I'm talking about a, a dating relationship. And there are a ton of risks to dating, emotionally and sexually. And you've got to be careful. You can get too emotionally invested. And before you know it, you're at the point of no return and you're unequally yoked. See, if the Lord is your first priority in your life, then you should be looking for somebody who has the same thoughts. And God is priority in his life as well. Marriage is the second most important decision you'll ever make. The first is making a decision to follow Christ. So choose wisely. See, love is a choice. And when it comes to marriage, it's a predetermined choice. You don't just helplessly fall in love. And I, I know that doesn't sound romantic, but it's true. Love isn't enough to build a home. You have to decide ahead of time what kind of person God would have you marry. And you choose to wait for God's best to have a committed, lifelong relationship. See, Chris wakes up every single day, and she has to make a choice to love me. And there are days when she wakes up, and she looks at me, and she thinks she's, probably most days, she thinks she's the happiest woman in the world. <laughs> and there's days she wakes up, and she looks at me, and she thinks, what the heck did I do? And that's normal. Because we all do that. We choose to love each other every single day. 
Because feelings change, people change, feelings go away. You have to choose love. You know, you may love cheeseburger and fries, but when you have a heart attack and that doctor says, hey man, you gotta stay away from the cheeseburger and fries, and you go, but I love cheeseburger and fries. If you choose to eat them, you're gonna pay a price, right? So you choose to stay away from them, you eat healthier. Don't be held captive to your emotions. It won't be good for you, and it definitely ain't gonna be good for your future children. There is no perfect person in this world that is going to meet all your needs. Only God can do that. But don't compromise your values hoping that your potential mate will change after the wedding because let's be honest, if anything, they're just going to get worse because now they're not putting their best foot forward. Now you get to see the real them. And let's be honest, people only know what you, al- what you allow them to know, right? Don't rush into a wedding. Be sure you know that other person well. Make sure you share the same values. And make sure to get Christian premarital counseling. I'm going to clue you in on a little secret. Marriage is not looking for the right person. It's about becoming the right person. It's not about finding a soulmate, but working on your own soul to be the kind of person that's compatible with a godly spouse. Don't ever settle for what's best. If you are saved, that makes you a son or a daughter of God, right? What is the son of of a king? It's a prince. What is a daughter of a king? It's a princess. Then start acting like one. And don't settle for anything less than what God would want for you. You can't pray and ask God for a Lamborghini and takes a first Volkswagen bug that drives by. That's just foolishness. What if I'm divorced? About ready to get real now, isn't it? (laughs) While our society may look at divorce very lightly, God takes it very seriously. See, it's not a breaking of two hearts. It's a shredding of two souls. If you take a ball of red Play-Doh and a ball of white Play-Doh and you mix the two together, it becomes this big blob of pink Play-Doh. Try separating that into red or white again. You can't. The Bible says that God hates divorce. Probably because of the damage it does to the home. So if you've been divorced or you're a child that's been through a divorce, you know the damage personally. And if you contributed to that divorce, you better call out for repentance and ask for forgiveness. See, all the damage may not ever be repairable, but God wants to heal you. See, there is nothing that is impossible for God. There is nothing that he can't fix. There is no miracle he can't do. How do I know? Because he did it with me. If God can take me and make me whole for his glory, he can do it to anybody. But it has to be his way and it has to be on his terms. And you have to put him first. But I can promise you this. If you do, he will change your life. If you're going through this, or maybe you've been going through something like this, or you've been struggling, God can fix this. But you have to run to him, and you have to do it his way on his terms. If the divorce happens, the Bible teaches that you should reconcile or stay single. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else reconcile to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. The idea would be that the two reconcile their marriages, right? You fix the stuff that's wrong, you get back together to work it out. But if you're already remarried to somebody else, you don't leave that spouse and go back to the first one. 
Remarriage may be permitted under limited circumstances. I believe that Jesus taught that divorce is permitted for certain things. Adultery. The separating of one flesh came at the point of sexual adultery. And that could happen before, during, or after the divorce. And it seems to me that unless the sexual involvement with another person has taken place, that couple still shares that one flesh bond, and it should be restored. But if that bond has been broken, the one who is innocent of adultery is free to remarry. The one that's guilty, you better drop to your knees, repent, and run back to God. But I'm here to tell you, upon genuine repentance, it may be possible for that person to remarry as well. God forbid that any marriage start off in sin. But man, once, once repentance has taken place, a new marriage has begun. It's a valid marriage. And what may have started out as a sinful relationship doesn't have to continue that way. That would be especially true if the divorce and infidelity took place prior to you becoming a Christian. See, here's the thing. All sins can be forgiven. But then the Apostle Paul goes a little further. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. You should do all you can to stay married to an unbelieving spouse. But if that spouse abandons you, if they desert you, you are no longer bound. And you may be eligible for divorce or for remarriage. But a caution here. What is permissible is not always wise, so please make sure you get Christian counseling and get Christian premarital counseling before you do it again. There's a lot of other issues to deal with. And finally, we ask, what if I'm a widow? Of course, this is becoming single, not by choice, right? So you can, can or should a widow or a widower remarry. Completely up to you. You're certainly free to. In fact, in some cases, Scripture encourages it. We already saw Paul address widows by saying it is good to remain single. But if they can't exercise self-control, then it's better to marry. This would certainly apply to the young. He said, so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. See, back then it was especially needed for young widows to have some type of means of support, which was typically through a husband. And that would give her both provision and protection, not only for herself, but also for her kids, right? In fact, it was considered important to have children who would take care of you when you're older as well as carry on the family line. But if she didn't have family to take care of her, then the church would become responsible for her under certain conditions. See, widows and widowers, they, they, they face continued grief, loneliness, stress, and struggles, so it's good that they experience other Christian friends, right? So there you have it. A whole lot of principles and a little bit of space, right? But let me sum it all up. Find your fulfillment in Christ, not a spouse. Not a spouse. So I got a couple stories I want to I read to you real quick. The first one is 2 Kings 13. It says, Elijah died and was buried. Elijah was a prophet, right? He died and he was buried. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body in Elijah's tomb. Elijah's in this cave. He's in this tomb. They see these guys coming. They take this body and they throw it in there. When the body touched Elijah's bones, so Elijah been in there a while. He ain't nothing in there but his bones, right? When the body touched Elijah's bones, the man came to life and stood on his feet. I want you to know that that God is the same God we serve today. Miracles can and still do happen. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was on me and it brought me out, the spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. 
Imagine a big valley stacked high with bones, full of bones, right? He laid me back and forth. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. They've been there a while, right? They're really dry. He asked me, "Son of man, can these bones live?" I said, "Sovereign Lord, you know you alone know." Then he said to me, "Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord." Remember that. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones, "I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin." I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones are starting to rattle. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and the tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slains that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. See, understand this. God told the blind to see, and they saw. He told the lame to walk, and they walked. He told the dead to live, and they live. The wind to stop, and it stopped. The waves to stop, and it stopped. The stone that was in front of the tomb to roll away, and it obeyed. Dry bones heard the name of the Lord and they lived. See, this is not just a God of the Old Testament. This is not just a God of the New Testament. This is the God of the here and now. And this is the God of the future. He's the God of today, tomorrow, and he changed my life. And he can help you with that too. If you have or you are living through something or you're living a sinful life, or you are not condemned I led that horrible life, and look what he did to me. If you're looking for love, understand that no one will ever love you the way Jesus did. People will break your heart, but God can fix it. He will never be faithful to you, unfaithful to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He showed the depths of his love to you when he gave his life at the cross. At your most sinful time to forgive you for rejecting him, your unfaithfulness to him. Do you understand what that means? It means God would rather die than live without you. But he rose from the dead and now he lives for you. See, God can and still does miracles. He's done it in my life many times. It was a miracle that that stone literally rolled away when he said move. But those miracles come from God and they are blessings from him. And there are people in this room and there are people that are on, online that are going through things like we've discussed that are hurting in ways that we can't even comprehend. Our God is not just a God of miracles. He is a God of healing. He is a God of love. He is a God of forgiveness and he is a God of completion. That's who he is. All you have to do is repent and be baptized if you haven't and turn your life over to him. You've got to put God first, realize who you are in him and claim that. See, being able to have salvation alone, having a personal relationship with the creator of the world is a miracle in and of itself. See, God loving us is a miracle. God making us whole again is a miracle. And I believe that there are miracles right here in this church, right here online, that are waiting to happen. People wanting to do things that they're afraid to do. People wanting to put God first, but they're afraid to. People wanting to be whole again, but they don't know how. I'm going to tell you how. You run to God. 
And you will experience a love that you never knew. You will experience a peace that you can't explain and a wholeness that you never thought could happen. Learning to love from love itself makes you realize that it's not about me, regardless of what society tells us. I need you to understand something. God took me, a broken down, divorced, horrible excuse for a human being, a fighter, a cheater, and he loved me. And he forgave me and he gave me life and he gave me a godly marriage and he gave me an awesome job and he gave me love and he gave me a second chance. He made me whole. He made it so I could be a pastor, but the most important thing out of all of it is he allowed me to have a relationship with him. That's a miracle. But it had to be on his terms and I had to put him first. Maybe you're there. I was in the worst place of my life and he literally rescued me from the pits of hell. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to truly listen to this next song. If you know it, praise him through the song. If you don't know it, we're going to have the words on the screen. Think about those words and realize that our God is the same God that does miracles and they happen every single day and he can do it in you. Right here, right now, if you let them.
you die to yourself? Man, there are people in this church didn't know who I was before I gave my life to Christ. And if you knew me, you'd know that's a miracle in and of itself. Our God is still a God of miracles. They happen every single day. They just have to be on his terms. Let him be your first true love. Let him be your priority above everything else. And I promise you, no matter what you're going through, he can make it better. We have made it so simple. All you got to do is text 734-304-7248 or shoot us an email at next at southpointccc.com. Well, you can't make it any more simple than that. If you're ready to follow Jesus, text or email your name to those numbers and those email address. Go ahead and do it now if you have to. After the service, meet with somebody at the point, meet with somebody up front, find me, I'll help you. They can help you make the best decision you've ever made in your life. They'll pray with you and they'll love on you. They'll answer your questions. And maybe your next step is just simply coming back next week. I can't stress to you enough how much God can do to even allow me to love him is a miracle. And those miracles are the same miracles that happened back then in the New Testament and all the way along. He doesn't change. You just got to have the guts to go to him. Pray with me. Father God, I love you so much and I am so grateful for you. Help me to put you first. Help me to be content right where I'm at. Help me to devote myself to you fully. I want to find your good and pleasing, perfect will. Help me to be patient, Lord. And if it's your will for me to find human love, may I put your will first. If it's not, let me be okay with that. Let me do it with a joyful heart. Father God, I just ask you to bind the brokenhearted. I ask you to be with anybody here or anybody online that needs you. Be with them so that they can reach out and they can experience the same miracles that I've experienced. Father God, there is nothing special about me. All I did was go to you and you took care of the rest and you can do the same thing for them. They just have to have the courage to do it. So I ask you to be with them. If there is anybody in this church or anybody online, I ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to fill them like they never have before so that they can come running to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you see?